without the word. Jesus, let us know, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that God has spoken. That's our bread, that's our manna. And I want to talk to you today uh, out of a series I began last week called Wood for the Fire. I'm going to give you some wood for the fire. You say, well, what fire? The fire that's supposed to be burning in our heart. You know, Jesus didn't kill us, he lit us. He lit us up. So he said, you're the light of the world. Well, you can't shine unless you're lit. So we are to be burning brightly. Jesus said, I would rather you be red hot or ice cold. But if you're lukewarm, get off the fence. Go one way or the other. Well, we want to be red hot for him. If there was ever a time, church, that the church needed to be red hot, it is now shining brightly into this desperately dark world. And so I want to talk to you today about something that just jumped out at me about out of the Word of God, calling this, you will find me in Galilee. Those are the words of Jesus. You will find me in Galilee. What does that mean? Well, let's read here. Now, the setting for these verses, Jesus has risen from the dead. Uh, some of the women that had followed him have gone to the tomb to anoint him for burial, of all things. And they encounter an angel of God. And the angel says to them, Don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. Now, let's play like it's Easter, and I want you to say those three words with me. Are you ready? He is risen. Boy, y'all so did so much better than the early service. Now say with me, he is not here. He is not here. It's the greatest time. Well, put it this way. It's when empty was really something good. Now, he says, see the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and be sure you tell Peter that he is going before you, where everybody? Into Galilee. There you will what? See him as he said to you. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray that it cuts to our heart. I pray that it changes our life. I pray that it, that it recalibrates us today and reignites us today. For your word is like a fire and like a hammer. Lord, I pray that it will light us today into a burning blaze. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to tell your neighbor, don't burn out, but burn on. Amen. We've had two great services before now. Saturday night is growing. We're excited about that. Had about, I guess all told, around 400 people in church last night. And it was just a wonderful thing. It's growing. Uh, people are hungry for the Word. They're hungry for something that speaks to them. Now, this thing about seeing you in Galilee, I'm going to see, you will see me in Galilee. That was the second time that Jesus had told them, I want you to meet me, hook up with me in, in Galilee. He had first told them that they would meet him in Galilee at the Last Supper. He said this, tonight all of you are going to stumble over me. Now he's looking at his 12. They have followed him everywhere. They have given up everything to go with him. And he's informing them that they are about to all deny him. They're about to all run from him, forsake him, in his darkest hour. Tonight you will all stumble over me, but after I have been resurrected, 
I will go to Galilee ahead of you. Well, they didn't get it. They scratched their heads and kept on eating the bread. They didn't get what he was saying. But get this now, just before his crucifixion and just after his resurrection, in both contexts, Jesus said, you're going to meet me, find me, see me in Galilee. Now, I want you to keep in mind that, that right here, at this juncture, when Jesus said this to them, and following his crucifixion, it was the darkest hour of their life. We call it Good Friday, the day that Jesus was crucified. We celebrate. A lot of times we hold services at noontime on Good Friday. It's a great day for us. But I want you to know that Good Friday was a black Friday for the disciples. It was a confusing Friday. It was a perplexing Friday. It was a shattering Friday. It was a faith-shaking Friday. Because they watched their hero, their master, their savior, their friend, who they had followed for three years, miserably tortured, beaten, crucified, treated like a piece of throwaway garbage. It was the darkest Friday of their life. Their hope on this Friday was cruelly shattered. Their faith was shaken. Their shining dream was turned into a dark nightmare. Just like that. This one who seemed like he had always had everything under control, walked on water, healed the sick. They never could grab him or apprehend him to kill him. He, he walked through the crowd. He always seemed to get away, always seemed to be on top. And suddenly the worst of the worst, the worst imaginable had happened. And he had been apprehended, seized, beaten, beyond recognition, hung on a cross, the worst instrument of torture known to the ancient world. The one that they thought would change everything by ushering in a kingdom of peace and freedom had been treated like absolute dirt, and they could not understand it. They were now all of a sudden men without a place to go, no place to turn, no direction, lost in a sea of confusion. I don't know if you've ever felt that way or gone through anything like that. It's a terrible feeling. Their once fiery zeal and their excitement for Jesus and all that he was doing was now replaced with paralyzing fear and uncertainty. And do you know that when Jesus rose from the dead, most of his 12 didn't even believe it? They had never understood when he said, they're going to kill me and after three days I'm going to rise again. They didn't get it. They were, they were in the dark until after Pentecost. Now, here they are. They're huddled behind locked doors, shuddering, shaking, trembling, afraid. Are they going to come and get us and do the same thing to us they did to him? And all of a sudden, they start getting a message from these women at the tomb. They hear that these women at the tomb are saying, He is risen, and He wants you to go to Galilee to see Him. Now, they connected those dots, and they remembered, well, He said that at the Lord's Supper. And now, here's a repeat message. You're going to find me in Galilee. Now, I was reading this, and, and it struck me, why Galilee? Why Galilee of all places? Galilee, they're in Jerusalem. Galilee was about 68 miles from Jerusalem. Two or three day long walk. And besides, everything was happening in Jerusalem. It wasn't happening in Galilee. Galilee was a little country area. The, the, the real happening, the, the buzz, the activity, the, the 
the thriving city of Jerusalem was where it was all at. Yet Jesus said, you're going to see me in Galilee. Well, wait a minute, Lord, you were crucified in Jerusalem. And according to these women, you have risen from the dead in Jerusalem. Why in the world should we go all the way back to Galilee? Why Galilee? Jerusalem was the key city of that time. It was the metroplex of that time. The temple was in Jerusalem. The headquarters of Jewish worship was in Jerusalem. All the people were in Jerusalem. Yet he said, listen to this, you're going to see me, you're going to find me in Galilee. Huh. Why would Jesus tell him to make that long walk, leave Jerusalem? Not to mention, he said, I want you to tarry in Jerusalem. And another time, he said, tarry in Jerusalem until you receive the power from on high. So even the Holy Ghost was going to fall on them in Jerusalem, not Galilee. But Jesus had said, before you tarry in Jerusalem to receive the Holy Spirit, I've got something I want to do for you and in you and through you in Galilee. So you will see me first in Galilee. Why? I thought there could only be one answer. And I want you to listen carefully to this because this, this spoke to me, and this is going to speak to you, many of you. It's because Galilee is, is where it had all begun for them three years earlier. It had all begun in Galilee, and it occurred to me, Jesus knew what the crucifixion was going to do to them. He knew it would shatter them, shake them, rattle them. He knew that they would become discombobulated, disillusioned, discouraged. And so he said, so he knew, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take you back to where it all began in Galilee. He was leading his shattered, shaken disciples back to their spiritual roots. Let's look at this for a minute. First, did you know that Galilee was the place where the disciples had first met Jesus? Galilee was the place where they first met Jesus. Jesus. On that defining moment day, I have thought about this. And as I read about this week, uh, uh, this particular story this week, I, I let my, my imagination go and I tried to imagine what it must have been like. Uh, on that defining moment day, they're just out there doing their normal thing. Peter and Andrew, James and John, they're out there fishing. And all of a sudden, a man, capital M, man, a man, unlike any man they had ever seen before, stood on the seashore, appeared on the seashore. All of a sudden, he was there. Now, they're just doing their usual thing, and all of a sudden, there is a man there. He's a stranger. When they first look at him, they do not know who he is. They've never seen him according to the Word of God, and, and, and yet, although he knows all about them being God, yet they didn't know him. They looked, and there's a stranger, and that's okay. There stood a stranger, no big deal. But all of a sudden, he looks at Peter and Andrew, and they're busy casting their net. They're doing the job, same job they've done all their life. They're just taking care of business, taking care of work, doing the same old, same old, work-a-day world, punching the clock, catching the fish, taking them home, cleaning the fish, cleaning the nets. And this man appears on the shore and looks them in the eye, and he said something that at face value, I'm telling you, was totally ludicrous. He said, follow me. Follow you where? Look at what he said. Come and follow me. I will make you to become fishers of people. 
catch this, everybody. Jesus stepped right into their normal, everyday, same old, same old, workaday world and spoke a life-changing word to them, and that's exactly what he does to you and me. We're going through normal life, and Jesus comes knocking. Jesus approaches, and Jesus says, follow me. And he added something else. He added something very intriguing. Catch this. A promise of change and transformation. He said, follow me, and if you follow me, I'm going to make you to become something that apart from me, you would never be. Mm. I tell you, our Jesus is a life changer. Our Jesus is not a bunch of rules and regulations and thou shouldest, couldest, wouldest, and do this and do that, and thou shalt not this and that and the other. No, Jesus is a life-changing Savior. And he said to them, if you will follow me, I'm going to make you become something. Now, I love words, and I know words matter a lot, especially in the Bible. And that word become is from the Greek word ginomai. And ginomai means to emerge, to come into being. It's like you have a flower seed. You've got this flower seed, and you put it in the ground. It's just a little bitty seed. You put it in the ground. You cover it up with dirt. You put water on it. And after a while, up from the ground comes this green shoot, and then little leaves, and then a beautiful blossoming flower. And that seed becomes, comes into being something that it wasn't when you put it into the ground. Jesus is talking about a radical, life-changing experience where you, like a seed, are sown into him and into his kingdom, and he makes you to become something. It's not just a matter. He didn't say to them, I'm going to teach you how to persuade men. He said, you are going to become a soul savior, a soul saver. You are going to become a witness. You are going to do what you do because it's going to be who you are. I'm going to change you. If you follow me, you're going to become something you'd have never otherwise been. How many of you can testify that ever since you started following Jesus, he's been doing some things in you that shocks the people around you? Nobody can believe that this has happened to you. I think my family is still in a state of shock. What in the world happened to Jeffrey? Well, I can tell you it wasn't a New Year's resolution, and I can tell you it wasn't rehab, and I can tell you it was not turning over a new leaf. One day a Savior came and said to me, follow me, Jeff, and if you follow me, I'm going to make you become something you would never have been apart from me. What a powerful Savior we serve. Now, I, I got to think about this scene, this scenario. Here's this stranger standing on the shore, says to them, follow me, and I'm going to make you become. Now, here's old Peter. He's midlife. He's a lifelong fisherman. He's a salty old, crusty old fisherman. It's all he's ever known. And this 30-year-old or so young man stands on the shore and says, follow me, Peter, and I'm going to make you become a fisher of people. Now, Let's tell the truth. In any similar situation, the normal response would have been, follow you. What do you mean, follow you? Follow you? Who are you? Follow you where? Where'd you come from? Who are you that we should follow you? And by the way, where are you going? Take it a step further. Normally, these two brothers, as well as us, 
would have looked at a stranger that just walks up out of nowhere that we've never seen and says, follow me. We would have looked at him with a nod and a wink as if to say, where are the men in white coats you have apparently escaped from? Or we would have thought, he's a cult or something. But listen, Jesus was different. I'm going to tell you, Jesus was different. He had to be. He was compelling. 30-year-old young man, the Bible tells us in Isaiah that there was nothing beautiful about him personally, physically. He was not a looker. He was not a strikingly handsome man. Isaiah told us that. There is no beauty in him that we would desire him. But the same token, he was compelling. Something about Jesus was magnetic. It was irresistible. His face, his expression, the way he stood, the authority in his voice, all testified that this man was like no one they had ever encountered before. Jesus just said, follow me. Either he was God and had the authority to say that, or he was crazy. Heaven spoke through him, had to have. These men standing there in the middle of a regular day, here he comes, follow me. There had to be something about this man that was so amazing, so attractive. The Bible tells us that the very next thing they did, they immediately left their nets, immediately left their nets. That'd be like you walking out of your job. That'd be like you giving up your own business because this was their own business. This was their own business. They had a boat. They had nets. This was their livelihood. They immediately left their nets and just started following Jesus who started just kind of walking. And they started following. What kind of man was this? Stop and think of what this means. These men were men with families. They had bills to pay. They had children to feed. They had lives to live. They had wives waiting for them at home. And yet they immediately dropped their nets and walked away from everything at the beck and call of Jesus Christ. Now, that happened in Galilee. You will see me. You will find me in Galilee. Very next thing, Jesus has got, he's got Peter and Andrew behind him. He's walking. He goes a little further down the seashore. There's James and John. Do you know that James and John did exactly the same thing? It says immediately, same word used, immediately, they left their boat and their father and followed him. Walked away from dad. Jesus didn't call dad. He called the boys. Can you imagine the dad? Hey, hey, what about the boat? Take care of it, dad. Heaven has come knocking. There's something about this man. I must follow him. This is the call of divinity, the call of the divine, the call of God on me. What a powerful, what a memory-making, defining moment this was for them. So compelling was Jesus, so appealing his call, so irresistible his person, that these normal blue-collar type working men walked away from everything without a second thought to follow Jesus. He does the same thing today. He does the same thing today. And you, if you know Jesus today, if you're a Christian today, you've got a Galilee moment just like that. 
You were just going through life. You were living in sin, living in darkness. And one day, Jesus came knocking on the door of your heart, and you heard the divine call, and he said, follow me. It wasn't just telling you he wanted to take you to heaven one day, but follow me all the rest of the days of your life, and if you do, I'm going to make you to become something supernatural. That's how it was. It all began for them in Galilee. And that's why Jesus took them back after all the turmoil of good, bad Friday. He took them back because there's something, folks, about going back when you've been hurt, back when you've been shattered, back when your faith has been shaken. There's something about going back. Jesus knew, I'm going to have to reconnect them to the memories of when I first approached their life. And he does the same thing with you and me. There's something about going back and remembering the first call, the first touch, the first word he spoke to you, that first decision when you said, I'm going to follow the Lord. I remember it like it was yesterday. Jesus brought them back to the starting point. And my wood for the fire today is some of you who are, who are shaken, distant from God, have kind of disconnected. You don't have the fire you used to have. don't have the zeal you used to have. There's something about going back and remembering, taking a trip down memory lane. But Galilee wasn't just the place where they first met Jesus. It was also the first place they had seen his miracles and seen his power and heard his message. Now, remember, they start just following him based on that word, follow me, and I'm going to make you to become. So based on that, I'm going to make you to become. Follow me. They're following, and he goes into a town. He goes into a town, and all of a sudden, demons start speaking out of a man. He flushes the devil out of hiding. He walks into a place, and the demons begin to cry out, Demons never happened in the Bible. Nowhere in the history of the Word of God had this ever happened. The hidden enemy, the foe and the arch enemy of all mankind was flushed out of hiding at the very presence of Messiah Jesus. And they began to cry out, have you come to torment us before the time? Now here's Peter, James, and John, and Andrew. Have you come to torment us before the time? Jesus said, shut up and come out of him. And wah, and he was out. Now they're sitting there going, oh, 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 oh. hold my hand, John. Hold my hand, Andrew. What are we watching here? See, follow me and I'm going to make you to become. And then he reached out and touched lepers and healed them. And then he reached out and touched sick folk and healed them. Listen to what the Bible says. Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. And these four original disciples who were just told, follow me, were seeing all of this. First-hand, front-row tickets to the miracles of Jesus. In Galilee, they'd heard his kingdom teaching. They heard his gospel preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They'd seen his miraculous healing. All of Jesus' ministry was launched in Galilee where he told them to reconnect with him. Mark records immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. Now here's what happened to these men. It was while hearing and watching Jesus in Galilee 
that the disciples' faith had grown, their hope was ignited, their expectation of a wonderful new world to come was born. It happened in the early days in Galilee. But then there was the crucifixion, right when they thought that Jesus was going to take over the Roman world, subdue the cruel Romans, and set up the millennial kingdom of Christ. That's what they thought he was going to do. They, they just knew Jesus was going to subdue the oppressive Romans, put them out of business, and rule a brand new kingdom where they could be free and have peace and have joy finally. And then they arrest him. And then they beat him. And then they crucify him. And then their hope dies. That's why Jesus took them back to where it all began. You will see me in Galilee meant more than just you're going to see my form or you're going to see me personally. That's not what it meant. It meant in Galilee, guys, you're going to recoup your faith, remember your roots, reignite your hope, reconnect with me. You're going to re-see me. You're going to remember from whence you have come. It's a good thing to go back. There was a classic Andre Crouch song that we used to sing all the time in the 70s. It went like this. It's about this very thing. Take me back, the song starts. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first received you, Galilee. Take me back, take me back, dear Lord, where I first believed. The song goes on, I feel that I'm so far from you, Lord, but still I hear you calling me. Those simple things that I once knew, those memories are drawing me. I must confess, Lord, I've been blessed, but still my soul isn't satisfied. Renew my strength, restore my joy, and dry my weeping eyes. And how will that happen? Take me back. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first received you, take me back, take me back, dear Lord, where I first believed. That song is all about going back to Galilee, reconnecting with the memories, with the first things Jesus did, the first time you saw him, the first time you heard him, the first time you made up your mind to follow him, the first time you saw his power. Revisiting those defining moments is what Galilee is all about. When God moved us, when he called us, when he changed us, when he lifted us, when he ignited our hearts. Do you remember that time? When he gave us a dream. It's then that we reconnect with our purpose and get back in the game. See, they'd have been no good in Jerusalem if they hadn't made a pit stop in Galilee. About 11 years ago, Kathy and I went through hell and back. A terrible, difficult time. Deep, deep valley. So much so that we despaired. I despaired that I, we would ever be in ministry again. That we would ever continue on in ministry. And I was out praying and seeking God one day. And I just got an idea. And I, and I said, I'm going to do it. I got in my car. Here's what I did. I got in my car. And I drove to Dallas and I, to this house. It was the house where I was first asked to teach a Bible study, first asked to actually stand in front of people and minister the Word of God, and I went back. I went back to my Galilee. I went back. I took a visit. I took a drive down memory lane, and I went back. And I parked outside this house. I parked outside the house, 
And, and I just looked at it. And, and as I looked at it, I remembered back when th- this man first tapped me on the shoulder and said, Jeff, I'm going to medical school, and God has told me you're supposed to teach this Bible study. Shocked me, scared me, terrified me. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I had no self-confidence to stand in front of people and teach anything. I said, you got the wrong guy, Ron. That's what I told him. You got the wrong guy. He said, no, I don't. And, and if you're not here, nobody's going to be here, and that's going to look bad, so you'll be here. So I, I had to learn to open up that Bible. I said, Lord, what in the world? I don't even know how to put together a message. And I remember I looked at Matthew 13, the parable of the sower, and the Holy Spirit rose up in me and said, that's what you're going to teach. And I went back. I went back to that time when the Spirit of God had fallen upon me, when the Lord had rocked my world, when Jesus had changed my life, when I saw the power of God move, when I saw people healed, when I saw multitudes of people saved, when I went to the juvenile home twice a week for four years and saw hundreds and hundreds of teenagers teenagers saved just like I had been. I went back to Galilee and I didn't stop there. I drove all the way to East Texas and I drove around my first church when I was 30 years old, when there wasn't a gray hair in my head and I weighed about 165 pounds. Oh, those were the days. And I, nobody knew that I was in town. I just drove around the building, and I thought back to that very first Sunday at my very first church when we had put it in the little East Texas paper that we were going to have a service, and we had sent the word out, and me and the guy that was my associate pastor, we were staring out the window, and when star- cars started to come in, we bumped each other and said, look at that, cars are coming. We are going to have church today. And I remembered back the way God built that church and gave us a church of 500 people in a town of 1,600 people. And I remember the power of God and the blessing of God and the favor of God. And you know what it did? Jesus spoke to me and said, there's your roots, there's your Galilee. Remember what I did in you and what I did through you. And that's who you are. You are not what people say you are. You are what I say you are. And you are what my purpose is for you. And I reconnected with my calling. I knew who I was in God. And thank God he empowered me and strengthened me to return to Jerusalem. And we are not in Galilee today, folks. We are in Jerusalem. This is Jerusalem, and we're about to rock our world. Yes, sir. Scripture records the result of their Galilee visit. It was in Galilee the famous confrontation happened between Jesus and Peter. Peter, do you love me? Well, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Peter, are you sure you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Peter, do you even like me as a friend? It says he was grieved in his heart and said, Lord, you know that I at least like you like a friend. Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. For every denial he had made of Jesus, he was able to make a positive affirmation of his love for Jesus. Three denials, three affirmations, and Jesus restored Simon Peter in Galilee. It was as those two disciples, one of them called Cleopas, the other one we don't know his name, were going the direction of Galilee through that little town called Emmaus that they encountered the risen Savior and were were restored in their faith on the way to Galilee. And at the Sea of Galilee, the risen Jesus appeared on the seashore once again. He cried out to Peter and them who had returned to fishing And they had fished all night and caught nothing. And he appeared just like he had three years before and said, throw the net on the right side. They threw the net on the right side 
and couldn't bring in all the fish they had caught. And they connected the dots and said, that's Jesus. It's the Lord. And their memory, their revisiting, their returning to their roots, recalibrated their faith and their walk. Their faith restored, their hope aflame, their zeal ignited. The disciples returned to Galilee, to Jerusalem, went into that upper room, waited on the power of the Holy Spirit to fall. And when he fell, those men who just days before had been completely shattered and broken were filled with the Holy Spirit and went and turned the world upside down. Amen. Now, I want you to stand with me today, would you? And I'm going to ask you a question. Please, no movement, as little movement as possible, unless it's this way in just a moment. But let me, let me ask you a couple of key questions. Do you need to return to your own Galilee today? Wood for the fire. Do you remember what God did in you? Do you remember those days when you first fell in love with Jesus? When you were first saved? When you were excited about him. When you were at church every time the doors opened, you witnessed everything that moved. You were in the Bible all the time. If we could compare that time to now, how does it compare? Are you where you used to be? Are you less than where you used to be? Are you more than where you used to be? Has your faith been shaken? Has somebody betrayed you, walked out on you? Has the church disappointed you? Has something happened? that you have felt like they did. I've lost my sense of direction, lost my sense of meaning. I, I, I'm just not where I used to be. Have you lost sight of Jesus? Have you gotten so busy with life that Jesus has become back burner? See, I want us to, I want us to be defined by Galilee. You are what God began in Galilee. Amen? So let's bow for a moment of prayer. You can say, Pastor Jeff, I am struggling. I, I admit I am. I have been shaken. I have become disillusioned. And I need to reconnect with my roots. Reconnect with my calling. Reconnect with my purpose and get plugged back in and go back to Jerusalem. With your heads bowed, if you say, Pastor, that's me, I want you to raise your hand today. Put them up real high. There's going to be many of you. That's right. All over this place, I want you to do something. I want you to, to slip out from where you are. I want you to come down front. Is, we're not going to be down here long, but we need to do this right now. I want you to come down here right now because we're going to pray for a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit to blow upon you. We're going to go back to our roots, back to where, as the song said, back to where it all began, back to where we first believed, back to where we first heard Him, back to where He first touched us. We're going to recalibrate our faith we're going we're gonna to re-see the Lord, the one who called you. Listen carefully to me. 
the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. His dream for you has not changed. His purpose for you has not changed. His call on you has not changed. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. It's still there. And I sense him here right now. Lord Jesus, you came to us, all of us, in our own Galilee. You touched us. You called us. We heard your voice. And our hearts were awakened. And our lives were changed. And Lord, we were excited. And we were filled with zeal. And we were filled with hope and with vision and with a dream. And an endless horizon. And then, Lord, life happened. somehow we got disconnected, unplugged and Lord, like those disciples we now need to go back to Galilee and remember the great things you did and realize we are defined by Galilee not by failure not by disillusionment not by discouragement but we are defined by Galilee Now, those of you in the altar, I want you just to lift your hands. Many of you in the audience may still need to do it. Just lift your hands to the Lord. And I want you to say, Lord, I'm coming back to where I first believed, where I was first touched, where I first heard your call, where I first began to follow, where I left everything and chose you above all else. I'm returning to that pivotal place, that defining place. And I am what that place purpose for me my life will not be lived out of my failures my discouragements my disillusionments and my betrayals my life is defined by Galilee thank you Lord now Lord reignite the fire in my heart help me to plug back in so that I can go to Jerusalem as it were, and touch my world for Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now I want you to let the Spirit of the Lord touch you right now. Let the Spirit of the Lord touch you right now. Let's sing it, everybody. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you.